And once again, coming at you live from the Apollo from Theater. The, from the Apollo Theater. It's the Gecko Games Cast. Now I bet you were thinking, hey, no way, couldn't be done. COVID came, defeated them. No way we could be live again. We're never going to do this in person. There's no way. You can't. You're right. And you know what? Yeah, you're right. We got we got taken down a notch, but now we're back. Bigger than ever. I was surprised when the Apollo reached out and said, listen, we need more we need acts. You back. Yeah, we need- yeah, we need you back. I said, listen, after last time, no way. I, I actually said, it. no way, Jose. Yeah. That's, I, I said, there, not, he said that. not without a bigger paycheck. You know what I mean? I said, not without three more zeros on that napkin. You, you know said, what I mean? I so, said, I want my big coffee, is what I said. I said, get me the big coffee, and then we'll talk. And here, look at this. This is a big coffee. Is that a, is that a 7-Eleven Slurpee? No, it's, coffee? it's an iced coffee from 7-Eleven. Is that just, oh, is that, oh. See, now, Rich, how much did that cost you? $1.50. I knew it. I knew it amazing amazing proportions yeah. out here so you know everybody always comes out and says oh americans port uh, proportions are disgusting their portion size is too gross this is why we have obesity this is why you know everybody makes fun of us out here so what man sorry some, some you know man like sometimes when it comes to coffee like you can give me that much coffee for a dollar fifty i'm chemically dependent pour that shit yeah, let it happen. And you know what? To be fair, is that the most concentrated form of coffee you're gonna get now? If I go to a, if I go get a McCafe, is that you know some uh, gourmet French press no. kind of coffee? No. But you know, it, it was a it, not even two dollars. I got my almond milk. I got my fucking my my caffeine. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I'm saying, I think McCafe and Seven Eleven coffee is still the best. The Grimace himself pours it. He's I always talking about it. Always talking about it. Freshly ground beans. You tell me where you can find a better deal. I'll wait. But Rich, how are you? It's great to be back. Great to be live. Yeah, back here at the Apollo. Um, how many times can we say that before we actually end up getting it? Before someone starts asking questions. Yeah. Uh, Just ends up getting flagged on the uh, Spotify audio. These guys keep claiming they're at the Apollo Theater. How are you, Rich? What's going on? Uh, not not so bad. You know, I got uh, I'm playing some video games. I you know, video games thing of the past out gone. They're you know, it's really good young. nowadays. You know, it's really good nowadays. Books. I like books. Knowledge. I got books. I'm just kidding. I don't give a shit about that. I Let's got... talk about video games. Okay. Now we were talking about this last week. And I was talking about, as I always do, a video game that didn't really, you know, leave an impression on me, which was Mass Effect. Which was Mr. Dew's Castle. Is that a real game? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, yeah, you know, I was talking about how Mass Effect wasn't really leaving as much of an impact on me as it first did when I first went through it. Now, I have come across nothing but Mass Effect in the stores, on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, people, listen, social media is just a big old marketing tool, and I got to say, it was very successful. I want to play Mass Effect. I want to go back, and I want to relive it, but I cannot right now. So, Rich, because of that, I need to live vicariously through you. Okay, we can do that. And your big coffee. So, yeah, let's do it. How is Mass Effect? I think it's real good. It's good to be back. Here's, I, I, I'm into Mass Effect 2 in my, my, play, my replay through. I had two, and you beat one. Yeah, I had two stipulations when I was starting this. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be a different experience than what I had the first time. So I'm going to play Femship, and I'm going to play a totally different class. than like I played like the pretty basic soldier one, where you're, like, you know, you're good all around with all weapons, no biotic powers or anything like that. So now I'm playing, a, uh, I'm playing Femship, and I'm playing Vanguard, which is um, like a biotic build, where when you, once you get the two, you have less weapons... Um, the weapons I have are I have a machine pistol, a heavy pistol, and a shotgun are the only weapons I have. But I also have biotic powers like shockwave and like that pull ability where you can just pull people out from behind cover. Um, and it changes your playstyle quite a bit. Going, I loved from the first game the shotgun. 
there's some... I always thought that it was pretty damn funny as to how you could literally just walk up to somebody and just pump and dump and it worked yeah maybe nine out of ten nine times ti- it was nine pretty times powerful out of ten, yeah it was uh also I, I guess slight spoilers from aspect one i was pretty proud of myself because i got the paragon ending i part of the paragon ending i should say that i didn't get the first time i played this game years ago there's a version of the final confrontation with Saren in one where you can skip the first phase of the Saren boss fight by talking him into killing himself and I do remember this too because yeah, he, you when it first came out, he, it was all the rage. You talk about like his indoctrination, and you basically get through to him for half a second, and he's like, "Shepard, I can't fight it," and then he like turns a gun on himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm like, "That's fucking." I mean, I, I'm laughing even though this is probably supposed to be a powerful moment yeah. in the it's, in the it's, story, but it's a two phase boss fight. You can literally skip the first phase by just being charming enough to get the boss to shoot himself. <laughs> Just be charmed. And for those of you who don't know, uh, there are two morality systems Paragon in here. Paragon and it's Renegade. Paragon and Renegade. Renegade's bad boy. Paragon, good boy. Yeah. Or at least the nobler cause, I should say. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Renegade is like, a, out of bio, I'm going to stop the Reapers by any means necessary. Yeah, um, just pulling out a Glock. And Paragon is also, I'm going to stop the Reapers by any means by necessary. By being really this nice. Time it's, yeah, but except this time, it's like, I don't even know, like a... A bop, a sock and bopper. Yeah, for something pretty, really pretty nice. Much, like boop. But yeah, doing Mass Effect One again. Um, it's kind of cool to see a lot of the changes because it's the most different game from the other two. Uh, they retooled the leveling, uh, so mm-hmm. I think it's a little more streamlined now. You can revert back to the older system if you'd like the game to be worse. Um, same goes for the. <laughs> it's control- like a, I'm just throwing that out there. They gave yeah. you the option. <laughs> same goes for the controls for the Mako. Your sort of land-based vehicle. You can revert it to the original controls again if you'd like the game to be worse. Um, that thing feels a lot better to drive. This game's got a lot of fucking lens flare. I I don't particularly care. I'll take all your lens flare. It's fine. One thing I notice a lot of in one, all the alien characters look really great. And all the human characters get real uncanny valley on you at times. They look like crap. Yeah, the the aliens look great, like Turians and all that shit. Like, but I think a lot of that is a baseline of like we don't we have no nothing to compare what they should look like because they're not <laughs> real. So like, of course they look great and, and they look polished and everything looks really cool. Um, I'm in Mass Effect Two now, which is my favorite. I think it's a lot of people's favorites, and. Now having kind of time to reflect on what Mass Effect is, I was I was texting you about this privately. I think it's kind of bittersweet in a way because it doesn't have that same flair of excitement that it did back in the day because I know where it's going and I mm-hmm. know it can't fully deliver on all the promises it makes. I know that half of these little interesting side plot lines are resolved by a fucking email you get in Mass Effect 3. They're like, hey, Shepard, just letting you know what's going on. And... Just letting you know that entire uh, struggle that I had with my race. Solved fi- it. Don't figured, worry about it. I figured it out. Figured it out. It's all thanks to you. I just um, had to talk to him. You were right. Thanks again. <laughs> but at the same time, like, there's so many plot lines that do resolve neatly and nicely. And the character work is great. Mass Effect 2 is Mass Effect at its best because it is the middle chapter of a trilogy. And it is at its most open. It can do the most with the world it's built before it has to start closing these threads. And it does yeah. it excellently. Um, Dr. Morton is one of my favorite characters in that series. I love reliving that arc from him of like him being this quote unquote mad scientist that you're trying to be like, hey man, what you did was pretty fucked. Um, going through Rex's arc of like just being this sort of merc for hire you meet in the first one. And then if you choose to save him, which if you didn't, you were playing the game wrong. Yep. Uh, yep. He, he becomes like the leader of his people and you get to see that growth and there's there's so many great characters in this series and I I, obviously I think the reason that they did this collection now is because they're trying to put all these games in one place because the next Mass Effect game is looking to be a proper Mass Effect 4 yeah based off that teaser they gave us yeah not just Andromeda 2 I would I would die I would just die well I mean you saw that teaser right like I it's not. To, it's it's not. Well, yeah, no, it's not Andromeda two. It's not. I'm saying if I'm going to extrapolate from that teaser, it looks like you're probably there. Might not even be a creative character. It looks like you're probably playing as Liara. It looks like a. It is probably going to be a direct story continuation of Mass Effect from three, just 
different. Like, how just does different. the galaxy move on after that? Yeah, because yeah, I think like that, it's either going to be a great time skip that happened where this is just a faint, distant memory in the time stream, or it'll be something that happens near short term. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't. I remember it like it was a while ago now. But I think the only characters they really show off, you see Liara looking through the wreckage of the Normandy, and in like mm -hmm. silhouettes behind her, you see Garrus, Grunt, and Tally. Um, which, yeah, if that's and your, I'm still if that's wondering. Your starting crew, that I'm really cool. Like, if it being like these are the you know four people who were serving on the Normandy at the time that we're bringing back to be like your starter crew for this, like that's fucking awesome. I'm that'd be cool. Yeah, and I think um, at least from what I saw, if that ends up being the case where that is the crew and you end up playing with those characters, totally fine. I was also thinking maybe just for exposition purposes, they'll let you play as that group of characters first just to provide kind of the setting and the story and then to jump you into almost like the main a, game. A, oh, yeah, to give you like a... You know what I mean? Like kind of like you, you have your crew. Like yeah, you get the exposition. What happened after three? Okay, great. You have your crew. Okay, what's going on now? They can go... The whole point is, which is why it's all speculation and it's fun, is... I love just thinking about the different ways that they could approach the story. This even reminds me of, um, gosh, I'm even thinking of, I don't want to say Metal Gear Solid 2, that's complete subversion, and it doesn't matter, but you just have a different story. You end up having a different story. Um, in the world that you build, yeah. Yeah, within the world itself. You have that context that it builds upon in the beginning. You can play maybe a few hours of that classic crew, and then it'll jump you into maybe the main story. That may not happen. It may just be a direct continuation where you play as they are, and that's fine. Um, that's, yeah, there's that's just a lot of different ways that they can play with it, which is pretty darn cool. The, the whole universe is just so expansive. It could afford to do that. It could so, go forward. It could go backwards. There's so much. It can go anywhere. Um, and it's funny, too, is I'm now the where I actually was playing the other night when I was playing continuing my playthrough of Mass Effect 2. I'm currently doing the Layer of the Shadow Broker expansion for Mass Effect 2. I, lo I which love is, that. That is the best piece of DLC they ever made. I, lo I, love, I love that Shadow Broker the, DLC. When you fuck... Okay, the... The concept of the Shadow Broker is cool. For anyone who hasn't played Mass Effect, the Shadow Broker is basically this character that buys and tra sells information. And you, you hear about him in the first game. He's supposed to be like this super elusive person. Literally, when you go to the Shadow Broker ship in Mass Effect 2, this is how this dude hides. He's in like this freighter class starship that is constantly orbiting a planet in tow with the sun setting. So the ship is completely undetectable. It's like Bond villain levels of insane. It's, it's pretty much the equivalent of, well, what are you buying and selling? And they go, information. Mm -hmm. And that that is the Shadow Broker. And it, to me, that's pretty damn cool. I like that. It's yeah. cheesy enough where it works. Yeah, it's really dumb, but really great. And I'm just playing through that again. I'm reminded, I'm like, oh my God, this was such a good piece of content. <laughs> and it, it was what you were saying earlier too, to put a bow on how the story structure was um, built and kind of carried off into three to not really hit the mark because again they had to tie up a lot of it, loose it was ends. Big on like the whole your choices matter thing, and I think one to two yeah. definitely delivered on that, and it made the promise feel bigger. And then it kind of flopped in three because there's some significant stuff like you could completely change the people that are in charge of like government going into two based off what you did in one. Yeah, and I was going to agree with it wholeheartedly. I think some of the magic and the impact that 2 had with people and why it was so good, why it was game of the year for that year, for reference for people who don't know, 2 was the game of the year um, for it's a lot of, of different outlets. It's one of my favorite games of the Xbox 360 generation. Yeah, th like this easily. pretty much defined the sci-fi genre for that generation of games. Um, it was that good. So I think it's... I think the way that it excelled ended up hurting it at the end, as a lot of expansive universal storytelling often does. You, it's easier to start. You offer than so end. much, yeah. You offer so much in the way of good storytelling and world building, and there's just so many threads, and you can tell some excellent stories with what you have currently. And it was almost—I always thought about it kind of as a, uh, and I, I always hate referring it to it, but it's kind of like that sequel, The Empire Strikes Back, in its way of just giving you an overall story. That was an absolute banger. You know, you just had great foundation. You were thinking, well, how the heck are they going to get out of this one? You know, how is the third one going to really just tie all of this up? It gave you such hype built on top of an already great game, plus some added promise that it's even going to get better or worse in this case because the Reapers were coming. So you really just didn't know what to expect. And you already played this amazing game that was just 
filled with life. And then the third game came, and I bet you dollars to donuts, the writing team probably thought, shit, we have to come back to the Reapers because we built them up as this omnipotent force that you cannot avoid, yeah. and it has to end that way. And that, that has, to they're, me, they're, screwed they a bunch struggled. of other stuff up. And then there were other choices they had to make that were problematic, and they were symptoms of some of the coolest things the other games did. For example, Rex is one of my favorite characters in that in that series. Rex is only in your party in Mass Effect 1, and the reason he's not a party member going forward is because it was possible for Rex to die in the first game. So they yeah. didn't want to like have people losing out on a party member. And then one of my favorite things about 2 is 2 is very much this like building a team story. And towards the end of it, the latter half, it's like, all right, you have as much time as you want to prepare as much as you want. And then the last icon to end the game is just labeled suicide mission. And <laughs> once you do the suicide mission, there's a lot of choices you have to make along the way. And you can lose every member of the party. You can go into Mass Effect 3 having like eight characters who have been very significant in the story just fucking dying before you even get to the third act. Yeah, which in itself was a lot of fun because you don't think that's going to happen it was a great way to just give you reality into the world that you were in because as you were saying it just looked like you were just building a crew classic for me at least it was just a classic uh buddy cop kind of deal where you're just gathering all these different rambunctious characters all from their own backgrounds all to complete this ragtag group to do all the impossible and then it happens like you actually get an impossible mission that ends up killing a lot of your team it, members if you do it it very well, much is like labeled like exactly that building a team thing like the missions would be labeled as like recruit the conflict recruit the scientist yeah like, like it was it was it was it was cinematic and kind of just fun in that way like it was just kind of a movie trope you were just yeah. collecting all these different kind of oceans 11 kind of deal where you, you, it was like you were all these up experts for a heist. yeah exactly exactly and you were gearing up for something but then i agree I also, when we got to, you get to the last mission and it's the suicide mission, I did not expect that at all because you're having so much fun with expanding all of the different storylines. You're learning about so many different backgrounds for your characters and then boom, they go, no, no, you knew what this was. You were making the team to do the impossible missions. Here's an impossible time, mission for you and it's pretty borderline suicide. So, some of them, some of it is arbitrary because every party member in Mass Effect 2 has a loyalty mission that you can choose mm -hmm. to go on to help them with like a personal problem. And if you don't finish their loyalty mission, they die on the suicide mission. No, yep. no questions asked. But also there's just points where it's like, no, you went left instead of going right. So Grunt got shot in the face. Yep. And that was it. And you just had to accept it. And going to the third game, it basically took that and just stacked on the bad times. And what I like it to, just uh, made this one... I just... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, same. What, I, what I like to bring up is my favorite point in Mass Effect 3's weird story. I, go, I like the part where Joker fucks the ship. Yeah! Dude, <laughs> there are so many good moments. There are so many good moments in that game. And... Yeah, he does. Fuck uh, shit. He does. He gets. He gets into a sexual relationship <laughs> with the spaceship, and it's a big deal. Yeah, it gets serious. It. This is what I mean, though. There are some storylines and plot threads that you're just playing it. For me too, it was late at night. I remember I was in college, just playing yeah. through some of these storylines, and it just that was what it culminated to. Like that was the relationship that would result from that. You just had to take it. You were just like, well. Yeah. I, I guess. guess it's sci -fi. anything's possible I guess like you can yeah, do sure. whatever you want um, but yeah it, it's it, it's so funny because the third one by all means is not a bad game it's just it's, to me the third one was gameplay goes it's the tightest for sure it was oh for sure it reminded I, me of uh, I think it's the weakest narratively it, um, it reminded me of the Dead Space effect but I don't I call it the Dead Space effect because Dead Space was the only one that I really referenced it directly off of sure. at that time with the 360 PS3 and all that that era of games, the third installment for a lot of these games that were coming out was not good. It would like stick, the second yeah. game, by almost like the movie, the whole whole movie rules. You know, you end up having a great second entry into the series because you don't have to waste time third. on introductions, and you can just have fun, and you don't need to like adhere to wrapping up some big sweeping trilogy storyline. Yeah, but it always has to come full circle, or at least it just had to for this story. I mean, for Mass Effect. It's hard. I mean, look at Game of Thrones. Mass Effect is hard. It's like you couldn't 
you didn't have the benefit that let's just say the witcher 3 had where it was already established in some cases yeah. where you had some they didn't use it word for word but they used some yeah, of the books yeah, as they, the foundation they, they so used, yeah exactly they had like the wild hunt happened. was an established end so here i could see how it was hard i could see how the initial difficulty of having a choice to just end it all i also still think that that was a bold decision and it was the right decision for the writers to actually go to now could they have told it in a better way yeah and that's why they did Almost it but yeah yeah, that's why they that's why they also put it in but you know it just it was a curse of being too good and riding too high for too long it's like icarus it got too close before we uh before we spend too much time on mass effect one, one last thing i will add is playing one again has um i guess give me a different opinion on the story for one yeah i do think the story for one is a lot stronger than i remember um in in terms of having a tighter narrative and just saren is a very strong villain um, whereas two, like the collectors are kind of like this faceless nonsense. Two is full of characters. I absolutely adore the, the pure concept of the elusive man is ridiculous. And I love it. Just this man chain smoking cigarettes while he watches a sun through the window all day. Literally. Nobody's that's really job. sure who he is yeah. like conceptually ridiculous. I love that. <laughs> I think for what was initially being, I think for what was initially being sold for mass effect, I still think one has the stronger narrative for a sci-fi game. Two has the most I think it fun. establishes the world. Yes, it does. Two, and people are going to argue this forever because they love to, rightfully so. I agree. I'm right up there with you. Two it is, it's my favorite is exactly game. what yeah. you were saying. They took all the characters, said, you already know this. Let's just go balls to the wall and just do the universe. Let's just go explore it all. And that was what it was. It was just pure fun, pure just pure background info it, it was just great also, great exposition read... one was a world that it was crafting a universe and, and the villain was actually not that cheesy yeah very good story the narrative was very strong and it really you had to go digging for it and that is true to some extent it wasn't just something that when you're you know like codex a lot yeah you do you have to explore it if you want to um but it had a very strong narrative focus whereas two yeah, it had an act for just jumping right into the action. All the narrative was all tight. It wasn't too grandiose. It didn't require you to always go into the codex as one did, I felt, to get the stronger narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff's there. Because everything was pretty much right in front of you. It's there, but everything else was presented to you in a way that almost felt really cinematic. It felt like an action movie, like, and it was a it, lot of fun. One of, one of my favorite things of 2 is... Two opens with Shepard essentially dying and Cerberus bringing <laughs> this, this, this corporation Cerberus bringing him back to life over the course of two years. And, you know, you just accept that and roll with it. One of my favorite bits, you could like dig into the codex and find out like, how did Cerberus get a hold of Shepard's body? And like, oh, um, the shadow broker hired people to recover Shepard's body and sold it to Cerberus. Yeah. And that's just fun like it's just it's just schlock to me to me there's no strong narrative focus in that it's just, it's just, whereas one had a lot of politics involved um it had a lot of introspection into the different species it, it really just dug deeper i felt when it was just trying to make a space story and that's totally. not bad it was it was good for what it was i do not think one is even my favorite game but i felt like i was just playing a bigger world it that's even, all like yeah it digs yeah. a little more and lets you explore more of that stuff in two with how cool some of those races are like the Quarian race is one of my favorites. It's a, a literal race of aliens that, like, ruined the atmosphere on their own planet and thusly ruined the generations of their immune systems. So they're forced to live in, like, these bio suits, and they live in what's called the migrant fleet, which is they just live aboard spaceships at all times that they're constantly repairing, like, old cars. These guys went to Fallout levels of just going balls to the wall sometimes with some ridiculous stories. It was so funny. It, it was... They were fun. Yeah, there are fun stories that the, they told. The, the Krogan, I think 2 gives you the backstory of the Krogan homeworld of the Chunka for the first time. Because when you go there, you talk to Morden about the genophage, like this this sort of disease they were infected with by the other races to stop them from reproducing in hordes. And you're like, oh, and their planet's like in shambles. Why'd you guys do that? And they're like, we didn't do that. They nuked themselves to high heaven before we even made first contact. <laughs> like their, their home planet go, is uninhabitable. Okay. Pure fun pure fun yeah, um, but that's out though I think it's a great thing to just yeah I know we talked about it for literally 25 it's because yeah. it, it is it's a lot of great game games there's, it's because there's three games in one the fact you know what I was uh, in Target the other day and I just saw it and I was just looking at the box and 
frankly, the only thing that just really impressed me these days is that you just have the sheer volume of having three games. Like, you're going to get one day a Witcher collection with all three as well. Yeah, for sure. Just the, the idea that you can have all three of those massive games on there, it's pretty cool. I, I was just holding it, and I was like, damn, that's all of them. And I was like, they're even going to have one day another Mass Effect collection with, even if you didn't like it, there's going to be Andromeda. And I guess, again, there's going to be another one. They're just going to keep yeah. releasing these bundles. I'm like, damn, technology's advancing. We're getting bigger. Always. So, thought it was really cool. Um, definitely pick it up if you have a chance. If you're into sci-fi, if you're not, disregard everything that Rich and I just said. Go, yeah. just fuck it. It's stupid. But, Dumb for you. Uh, yeah, fuck off with that shit. Um, you can fuck a ship. So you, you can, tell me you what's can. worth your time. Seth Green fucks a ship. Yeah, you want to go out here and the rest of the world in planet Earth and try to have sex with your car? Guess what? You're going to be labeled as a freak. You Playing fuck. Mass Effect. Go fuck the ship. You can say you're heralded as a hero. It's true. You saved the galaxy and had sex right. with this with this uh, this freighter. Yeah, you tell me which life you want to live. I'll wait. What okay. else have you been playing, Rich? Uh, I also played a little bit of Famicom Detective Club. Uh, is it good? Here's where I'm at, and let me, let just me tell, give it to me straight. Is it? No, no. Just I, tell I, me where you're let, at. Let me let me give it to you 100% straight. I'm enjoying it. Okay. It's got problems, and the problems oh, it has yeah. are that it's an old game. Mm-hmm. Um. And I wish they had put some work into some different stuff than what they did. Uh, so for anyone who's not familiar, Famicom Detective Club is a two game, two games. Uh, they were basically visual novels for the NES back in the day, the, the Famicom. They never came out in America. They've finally been released here. Uh, totally redone art. They look amazing. Uh, full voice acting in Japanese, uh, English subtitles. And they're sort of predecessors to things like Phoenix Wright, um, not like with the courtroom aspect, but in terms of like this investigation, visual novel stuff, and like crime scene investigation. I think the hook of the mysteries is enough to keep me going, but sometimes they don't feel quite as refined as like a Phoenix Wright game, and what I mean by that is I don't really feel like I'm deducing anything on my own. Like Sometimes I've already figured it out before the game lets me get there. I just feel like I'm exhausting all the dialogue options until they'll let me move on to the next scene. Um, yeah, and that can that can get kind of boring pretty fast. It can get a little tedious. That's like a to, that's an excellent point you brought up. It's like if Phoenix Wright only had the uh, investigation page. Not saying that Ace Attorney Investigations wasn't good, thank you. But it's like if it only had that in the main line of games, but you never had that courtroom deal. Like you yeah. you could just exhaust all of your conversational options, and eventually you're just thinking mm, like it's okay. I think the the writing is good enough. Like I, I'm interested in the the actual mysteries going on there. Um, I don't really think these are priced appropriately. If I'm being completely honest, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a uh, re-release if they were. So they're it's sixty dollars for the collection, but if you want to buy them separately, they're like thirty five dollars a piece. It's and absurd. I would like I probably wouldn't have bought both, but I'm like I'm not gonna end up paying an extra ten dollars. Um, nope. To play one and then play the other one afterwards. So, like, I don't know. It's The games are uh, The Girl Who Stands Behind and The Missing Heir. I started with The Girl Who Stands Behind. I found out later, while it is a prequel, it is the second game in the series. But they're both completely contained stories. And I'm now worried, based off what I've read, that uh, when I go back, The, uh, the Missing Heir is going to feel a little lacking. Because the puzzle design is apparently much better in the girl who stands behind which makes sense if it was made is the second game in the series yeah um, they probably just built upon it get a little better at the design of those sort of things but uh i mean you know i i love being a an amnesic japanese uh detective in high school you know it's what i've always dreamed of who doesn't yeah who doesn't? uh it's fucking anime and I, i'm gonna keep going through it I'm, I'm enjoying it enough i try and like play a little in the mornings on my days off like i'll sit outside with some coffee and just kind of work through a little bit of it um, it's fun unless you really have an affinity for these sorts of games I would probably wait for a sale on those I I had to jump on it because for me as you know Erica I'm like I have a super fascination in like game history and shit like that so it's like this weird outlier thing of like oh, I want to play this super old game that we're finally getting like 30 fucking years later well, that's what I'm saying Nintendo has a uh, they know they know just like how they priced uh, what was it Fire Emblem 
And they just said, "Hey, we localized it." Yeah, here you go. But you could buy, you could buy for a lot. And of just money so if you everybody want. knows, the main character of Famicom Detective Club, canonically, his name is Taro Ninten. That's right. I'll let you guys figure that one out. Maybe you guys can be detectives maybe, and maybe uh, tell me what can, that means. Can crack the code. Yeah, maybe you can crack that case. I will say this: I, I go to the store. This always happens. I see a release like a trailer and I was thinking oh that, that looks pretty cool like they're re-releasing something that's pretty old it looks like it got revamped let's go check it I go to the store on release day and the price always turns me off because it's Nintendo they yeah. can't help themselves I don't care they just can't and then I find out besides visuals and I'm using a very big besides because visuals are important here I'm not Especially trying to brush like that under the rug for a game like this exactly a visual novel kind of game I get you the fact that they also didn't really adjust any of the puzzles or make any quality of life improvements or even just maybe shoot their shot and just try to make things a little bit more enhanced, that kind of sucks. They could have made the navigation in these dialogue menus like so much better. and It's weird because they clearly put work into it. Yeah. I just feel like they didn't put work into spots that needed more attention, if you ask me. And you know what? I understand wanting to polish with the visuals more because these games are apparently fucking beloved in Japan. Um, so I believe apparently... Uh, I was looking this up even previously. I mean, these were so well known that even in the Smash Brothers games, they have the trophies from those in Japan. Yeah, like in the Japan I just, of those games. I still think it's absolutely fucking wild that um, even in the U.S. that they actually called it the Famicom Detective Club. They they can't. I mean, they just can't help it anyway. They're just like, yeah, well, that's what like it is. I would. Uh, the thing is, I wouldn't even have been surprised if here they changed it to the NES Detective Club. But, like, the fact they... I'm like, I give them credit for sticking with it. Be like, no, Famicom Detective Club, we know the kind of people we're marketing this game towards in the U.S. Yeah. And they can ride on it. And they'll know they'll sell it. And they did. And it's not... Holding out yeah, for the Famicom really... Detective Club Amiibos. <laughs> oh, that's just... Word Set up. them up. Set them up. Word up. Vape, Send them vape, up. I'll eat them up. Vape Nation. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just one of those cases where I, I really just wish... If you're gonna price something at sixty bucks, I expect a revamp. I would tell people right now if they were saying, "Hey, you know, this Famicom Detective Club looks pretty cool. Should I dive into it as my first visual?" I'll be like, "No, dude, get Phoenix right." Yeah, also <laughs> it's way cheaper. You have an entire collection of your games there. The Just Great Ace go get Attorney that instead. is out on in the U.S. for the oh, first time in two yeah. months. Wait for that. Oh yes, it is. Oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's not. It's the first. It's the two of them. Both it's, of them. Yes, it's both of the Great Ace Attorney entries. And let me tell you. Let me tell you. Real move. That's a real one move. I gotta say, every time Ninten for that, Nintendo Nintendo takes one step back, but then two steps forward. Not bad. Not bad. The only thing that they could really do to uh, throw this one back into the victory lamp would be Ace Attorney Investigations Two. Big ups. I don't think it'll ever get localized, but we'll see. It's like the Mother we'll Three of uh, the Ace Attorney games. Yeah. We'll see we'll what see. happens. Again, I've told you. I think they won't localize Mother Three because it's so anti-capitalism. They're afraid. Well, also. They like money. They're like, no, this no. What, how, Every, everyone will how play this video game. they be anti-capitalist if they know they're going to make the money from the capitalism? Everyone will, will, will play this game and see through the facade. I can't. No. No, no, no. I, I do have hope. I'm actually interested as to why, when it comes to Ace Attorney, they didn't do Investigations 2 because the great Ace Attorney, for those who don't know, they didn't initially release that game because it had heavy Eastern influence. Um, yeah for Japan's history, that honestly, if you translated it, it wouldn't transfer one-to-one. -one. I'm curious as to how they did it, you know, how it's going to be Well, there's always ways to do it. Sometimes translated. you just need to stick to the proper terminology. Like, I'm hoping this does well enough that other companies take notice. Like, yeah. there are Feudal Japan-set uh, Yakuza games that I'm hoping will eventually get translated and brought over here. Uh, there's two of those that I very much want to play, but... I'm just hoping, yeah, exactly. They see these because they initially didn't. They didn't think it would sell well. And I'm hoping they do because I'll buy it and I want them to sell well. And, and I think at the time they were probably right. Now the market is very different and there's a Well, also the consoles were, it was different with the uh, 3DS at the time. Yeah. So I can understand why even say Ace Attorney Investigations 2, that was the DS, you know, and I don't yeah. think Investigations sold well at all. So can see that. Um, it's just, I'm actually pretty happy that they're giving it a shot they're probably going to just see how it does, and they're going to make that influence their next decisions. They can't even use the word Sherlock Holmes in this. They have to use like it's Sherlock Holmes, but Herlock Holmes because thing. of the uh, they, the no, licensing in the U.S. 
Well, no, no. They actually, it's the exact opposite. They totally can. They totally can. It's licensing in Japan that's way different. Um, and now, no, no. But I'm saying in Japan they can use that, but they can't in the U.S. Well, no, no. Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain now in the U.S. But they're just sticking with the joke. It was a problem in Japan. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was Sherlock like, Holmes in I, Japan. I th- here's I think it was Sherlock Holmes. Anytime they discussed it here, but. I think they just ended up sticking with the joke because doing it in the U.S. now would not be a problem because Sherlock Holmes oh. is in the public domain. But they're not the only ones to do it either. The Sherlock Holmes joke is just kind of a shtick people stick with now. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. I'm just happy to have it. So Sherlock Holmes or not, I'm in it. So that's going to happen. You can get the Famicom Detective Club. You have can. a great time with it. It's You know what? You're free have to. Have a great time if you want it. You're free to. Enjoy it. I want to hear more about it. I hope everybody enjoys it. But if you don't want to, you could always just go to the Ace Attorney Corner. Be cool. Be cool, Daddy-O. Be cool like Rich and I. Yeah. Uh, did you finish... You finished Village, right? I finished it We talked twice. about this last week, too. Yeah. Oh, this is the second time you finished it now. I finished it twice. I'm on playthrough three on the Village of Nightmares <sighs> difficulty. You're having a great time with it, aren't I you? I fucking adore this game. Like, I don't really have much more to add on it. There's... Cr- that, like, Resident Evil 4-style unlocking system goes places. I want to play a lot more of the Mercenaries now. Mm-hmm. If you get a double S rank on every Mercenaries mission, you can unlock a lightsaber for single player. Oh. And that's the only way I'm going to ever get the trophy for beating the game using only melee. Damn. That's fun. It's like when in the, the RE2 remake, they had the uh, the big tofu. Yeah, it, it, yeah exactly. The tofu challenge it, minigame. It was hilarious because I saw the video of the lightsaber and I'm like, oh, mods are ca- crazy. And like, no, this isn't a mod. This is in the game. Like, no, no, no. We, we did it. And yeah, we know. Like, we, we know it's dumb. It's in the game. Capcom is synonymous with delivering a good experience, but also the biggest trolls on planet Earth to just put like the memes yeah. in there. It's fucking. They, they can't help themselves. It's fucking hilarious. If you wanted to like turn your lightsaber on and chase down the vampire lady, then there you go. Option, option given. Option has been provided. There you go. Now, you, please do not ask for anything else. We'll focus on the next game. We'll deliver it, everything. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything new to add on that. I just... That game is fucking great. It's stupid as hell. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> to quote, uh, Dan, In the best of ways. Dan Reichert said on his podcast with Mike Mahardy and Mary Kish, he's like, I just think it's great that Capcom is letting 14-year-olds write the Resident Evil games. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. what? 14? Yeah, but... It always hits. It hits. They give yeah. you an absolute it absurd environment. And it still ends up being pretty well structured as a story. And in it's terms not of, bad. Like, dumb referential comments. Like, I think one of my favorite lines in this game is Heisenberg, one of the four lords that you face off with an eight. At one point, he calls Chris a boulder-punching moron. Love it. They, they just threw a dictionary up in the, in the world, and they just eviscerated it through some darts and said, oh, yeah. So that's yeah, a good one. It, it's pretty great. They can't no they can't help themselves. I I can't help but think that these guys have the best time in those writers' rooms just making the story for this oh, shit. Yeah, it no. must be it's such a fucking batshit. Some of the best writing I've ever encountered in games has been from Japan. One hundred and fifty percent. Their humor is off the charts. They an- they can't help it. Here's another thought, and this is from uh, Riker's podcast too. And I like the more I think about it, I'm like, I could totally see that. Mike Mahari had said this. He goes, Resident Evil's gotten so batshit that I wouldn't be surprised if Resident Evil Nine takes place in space. Dude, I'm telling you, they are following the trend for Fast and Furious so hard yeah. because they cannot. They keep upping the ante and being absolutely fucking ridiculous. They can't help it, and they keep going higher and higher with it. So eventually, yeah, it's probably going to go to space, and that's going to be awesome too. There's going to be a space lord, a and dead it, space homage. And then I guarantee you, somewhere in there towards the end, they're still going to reference that dumb mansion back in RE1, and they're going to yeah. go, huh, huh? Like they're going to be a moon inside the mansion. Gonna, they're going to be like, remember that? We're going to go to the Spencer Space Station. Yeah, like randomly one day in the uh, the RE1 remake that's made for the seventh time, Wester's going to come in with like a telescope and just be like, it's just all part of the grand plan, Jill. And then you're just like, oh shit. Like, that, that it, was from it's nine. one of those things of like, think back to Resident Evil 1 and who Albert Wesker is as a character. And then recall that Resident Evil 5 ends with you fighting Wesker in a volcano. <laughs> 
Yeah, those. And uh, who could forget? I keep for. I keep. I do. That classic cutscene of Chris and Wesker fighting on top. It wasn't even Wesker. It was Chris and that other dude fighting on the roof where they're just shooting guns. Was it Wesker? Oh, uh... You know, I don't think it's Wesker, but he's having, like, a gunfight with another dude no, on the that's, roof. That's and they're just Leon emptying. and, um... Fuck, who else is... It? Like, yeah, where it's, like, close combat gunfight. They're just gun emptying fight. clips. Yeah. Oh, that's, um... You know who that is? That, you're right. It's Chris and it's, uh, Wesker's son, whose name I can't remember. It was Wesker's son. Okay, good. Yeah. It's literally Chris... And Wesker's son, and they're just unloading. Cl- I feel like I reference this maybe once every six months on this cast. They're just unloading clips on each other, and they and just they are maybe two bullet. feet apart. Yeah, circling each other, two feet apart, literally. And everybody should look this up. It's like some rooftop best gunfight I've ever seen. They do not hit each other once. It is the only insane. the only thing that's comparable is the Leon and Krauser knife fight in Resident Evil Four. It's it's absolutely ridiculous and you're watching it and the one thing that i always say just like when i'm watching fast and furious is oh man that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. like, i'm just like oh that's pretty cool like i remember now uh, what was i don't even know if it was fast seven or fast eight where uh i think it was dwayne the rock johnson uses the car to go up and attach the grenade clip to the helicopter like there's a I grenade think, on this I belt and he puts it on seven. the helicopter because that's like only kind of getting insane whereas eight is the one where they go to space okay perfect well let me tell you it was kind of like that where you're just watching something and just digesting it your brain's not really processing exactly what's happening just yet but the one thing you're thinking is oh man that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> exactly like it's so dumb so i'm really glad that it's just continuing i'm so hyped to play seven and eight i feel like i missed the boat so hard on seven and I just had every opportunity that Rich here has pleaded with me to deaf ears. It's, it's amazing. Somebody who, like, and I've been vocal about this in the past, like, I fucking hate 6. I think it's a bad game. 7 and 8 are both fantastic. 8 might be one of my favorite Resident Evils ever. I, just, I fucking adore this oh, game. God. I, uh, that's what I was afraid you'd say. Well, let's go into the drop. Let's yeah, let's... Just... Uh, so I'm just going to keep thinking I'm going to play before, it. Before I, I go right into the drop, i got to tell you, the first game on this list, its title made me go to its Steam page. It's out tomorrow, and I'm definitely buying it. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into the drop. Uh, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs comes to PC and Xbox Series X on the 25th. I love uh, how it's just those two. Biomutant hits PC, PS4, and Xbox One on the 25th. Capcom Arcade Stadium hits PC, PS4, Xbox One on the 25th. King of Seas hits PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on the 25th. Man Eater finally comes to Switch on the 25th. Saints Row the Third Remastered comes to PS5 and Xbox One on the 25th. Very Very Valet comes to Switch on the 25th. Made of Scare comes to PS5 and Xbox Series X on May 26th. Kung Fu Jesus hits PC on May 27th. Now we're talking. The Odd World Collection comes to Switch on May 27th. Pathway hits Switch on the 27th. Pekka Minosa comes to PC and Switch on the 27th. Seven Years From Now hits PC and Switch on the 28th. Beautiful Desolation comes to PS4 and Switch on the 28th. Roots of Pacha coming to PC on May 28th. Song of Horror Complete Edition comes to PS4, Xbox One on May 28th. Wonder Boy, Asha, and Monster World comes to PS4 and Switch on the 28th. And finally, World's End Club hits Switch on the 28th. You know, I immediately read World's End Club and said oh yeah i forgot it's the world ends with you it's that game that was coming it's out not yeah. That, though, yeah. i typed that into google and that was the same trailer for the game that i had seen a month or so ago and i said what the hell and now here we are here once we again are. not getting the world's end uh, with you hot recommendation for an airport for aliens currently run by dogs uh, hot rec are you are you did you only ever finish what was it turnip boy yeah, I did. I did. I like that game good. a lot. Yeah, no, I evaded my taxes. I did all the adventure game things where I hand people stuff. It was good. I recommend it. I'm literally looking up an airport for aliens currently run by dogs right now. I also would buy this immediately. Yeah, it it the, the premise they is... They use actual pictures of dogs. Yeah, they use like JPEGs of dogs, but the main concept is you're playing as a human who's one of two of the last of your species, and you're stuck in an intergalactic airport that is run by dogs trying to find like your girlfriend or something. This dev has the biggest balls for coming out with this, and I'm so in it. You know, they're literally JPEGs. 
Yeah, just they're JPEGs literally of dogs. JPEGs of dogs. And there's a picture I'm looking at right now. It's a dog with a fedora that says "Hello, traveler. I'm a detective." Now, keep in mind, this isn't an actual picture of a dog with the fedora. It's a picture of a dog, and then they generated a fedora on top on of top it, of the JPEG, yeah. which is just a square JPEG. There's there's the, the JPEG that sold me is there was like a picture of a corgi, and the dialogue box just says, "I'm worried my wife is going to leave me." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there is a dog called Bribe Dog that says, we know what's happening here. We know what's up. We know the real biz. You know what? Okay. I'm in. Fine. Yeah. This you know, yeah. Once again, proving that so long as you have a tight script, anything is possible. Yeah. You just got that There's, tight this script. Is, this is from a dog named Chad Shakespeare. Forsooth, my dude, and welcome. There is also Justice Dog. I eat homework and only God can judge me. I... Yeah. Oh, here, oh, this is the creator. Okay. So I was seeing pictures of this dude, and I thought he was streaming it. No, it's just the guy who's the creator. I'm trying it. Now I'm going to look up who he is because the developer is Strange Scaffold. I've got to get his name, though, because this dude is so funny to me. The description and featuring. I love the first bullet point. Featuring Bribe Dog, the dog who loves bribes. <laughs> I, uh, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this. It looks like his name is Xavier Nelson Jr. If Let me tell you something. If, if, God, if God were with us right now, if some omnipotent force were with us right now, he would say you did good because this is some good shit, I have to say. I, I have such great respect for... Uh, for devs who know who know what the fuck they're doing here yeah it's... this guy this is a three for reference for those who can't see these because first of all look this up it's a three-dimensional world that this guy made but there's but just the jpegs are still dog. 2d yeah so it's very paper mario-esque where if they turn it's thin like he just threw jpegs in it it's pretty amazing like he definitely just went to a stock photo website and bought a bunch of folders of pictures of dogs to use in this yeah, game and i'm looking up pictures of this dude and he's just sitting near his booth smiling as big as he can you know what more power to him this guy knows exactly this is the face of a man who knows chaos kudos to kudos to this man i cannot wait to play his game and talk about it truly just for the script writing alone okay i'm fine with it i'm in yeah not exactly what i expected thank god how many times Rich, we've talked about this so many times. I'm getting toast so tired. I was gonna say tired. So tired of seeing the words remastered next to just about everything. Everything's remastered. Yeah, it happens remade. a lot. Yeah. It's happening a lot. Now the tech is being remade, and I get it. There's great games out there, but how many remasters are we ever gonna have? Well, in a couple of years. Because now we're just trying to get things on the PS5, Xbox One, or the Series X. It's pretty much where we're at. But don't worry, in a couple of years we'll get an airport for aliens currently run by dogs remastered. Like fresh new JPEGs. <laughs> fresh. Oh, he should. He should be like, we're using PNGs now. And I'll be like, <laughs> yes. why? He'd be like, listen, no, we cut no, the backgrounds out. Using... Now it's just PNGs. No, we actually just, have the dogs. He swaps it to GIFs for the remastered. <laughs> Animated yeah, just yeah, listen, we're, we're getting bigger and better this time. Um, we swamped it. JPEGs, thing of the past. That was 2021, Stone Age. We're in 2023 right now. GIFs. <laughs> Gotta keep going. Animated. And eventually, maybe one day in 2030, we'll get the 4K resolution JPEGs. We'll go right back to basics. Yeah. Oh, truly, that's so funny. Truly amazing. Um, in terms of news, Summer Games Fest was announced. It's happening on June 10th. June 10th. Jeff Keighley, once again, coming in hot trying to prove a point that E3 is over. Jeff Keighley, now bigger, officially bigger than E3. Now, E3, the, the reason why this is so interesting, um, E3 is in that window too, yeah. I believe, in that timeline. That's line. what they keep so, telling us. This, has this happened before? I don't think so. Uh, Where they've been at the same time? No. I could have swore E3 was canceled for two years so far, and one then year. Summer Games one, Fest had, one, oh, one year, and then Summer Games Fest happened. For the yeah. first year, which was last year. Yeah, correct. Um, I don't know. I don't know what E3 even is anymore, and I I don't know that this year is going to really fully even answer that question. Um, I keep getting emails that tell me E3 is happening, and I should schedule appointments with people, and I'm like, hey, shut up. E3 is not real. E3 can't hurt me. Yeah, I'm I'm always in such support of the reason why I really like Summer Games Fest and the reason why even with COVID last year, which made such a challenge, 
it kind of changed the landscape a bit to give a lot of companies the opportunity to showcase what they're making. Because last year, especially with trade shows, you have to get hotel rooms, you have to book travel, you have to yeah. really make time and book your it's space for your booth. Here, you just got to log on, man. Get your spot. You probably have to pay for your spot, but you get you it. Pre-record and shit. Talk and about it. Lock it yeah. down in advance. You could do live streams. Like it just it, it opened the door in terms of companies doing this stuff on their own terms, which I don't I don't think is bad. Um, I think there'll always be a place for trade shows, even if it's like the business dealings we have at like a PAX or something. Mostly because a lot of the time it's better for smaller developers to get on a show floor and like be, it gives you a chance to meet with people, meet with publishers, and and have those conversations you need to have like. The reason I love shows like PAX are, like, meeting publishers that are making games I'm really interested in. Like, getting like I, I got to know the guys at Sabotage Studios because of trade shows. Um, and I'm, like, super grateful for that because I love everything they've done. And uh, it was it was cool to, like, get, get to talk to people on that level. Um, like, that shit is awesome. That's one of the things I really love about this business. Yeah, yeah. It's for sure a component where, I mean, I work in software... Um, in that space so you don't need trade shows but everybody misses the physical aspect of it just for networking alone and just exactly. the general energy I think that there's there's a need for it and I do want us to go back to that I think E3 is going to be physical in some case I don't know if that's already been announced I think there's physical not this year presence. I am I wrong is it digital right now it's digital only this year but it, is it coming back? I think it's planned to come back next year. It's planned for... to come back next year. This year is a digital-only yeah. event. So I'm curious to see... Well, first of all, I think it's great that both of them are happening at the same time regardless because that means you get exposure on just exposure tons to of, pretty much anything. You're going to have chock full of games all over the fucking place. Just news dropping everywhere. Um, yeah, I can imagine uh, people in the media. Wink, wink, I am, I am, I am trying to figure out when... Um, when these live streams are going to happen because if i can get them to yeah. line up properly uh i definitely over at sword Channel, we want to plan some streams to talk over the show uh we'd love to have you join us for some of those if the timing lines up because that's one of my favorite parts of these trade shows is talking over the announcements so i can yell oh i love doing that or at least if somebody comes out and it's just a mouthpiece executive just say hey like you know two years ago ratchet was on a planet trying like just the total setup and every time i'm just like Yo, I don't know what this guy's saying, but I think it's Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> it's, 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 it's me watching, like, the Halo drop and being like, new Mario Kart looks fucking intense. <laughs> yeah, just, like, Master Chief in the background. I go, listen, let's talk about Mario Golf. That was pretty cool, and that's coming up yeah, soon. So that's, uh, that's next month. Damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pfft. The game of the year is already... In... The, the game of the year is already on a lock, baby. It's Bio Mario Golf. out in four hours. We're already out. I'm telling you, Mario Golf... It's gonna be GOTY. Mark my words. Oh, but, I can't, dude. That speed golf mode, I can't. Dude, where you just walk up and just hit. Come yeah. On, come, on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's it's the game's gonna be great. So, I'm really excited to have two trade shows. Though I think you're gonna be able to see a lot of talent. I think you're gonna be able to see a lot of publishers get their time in the spotlight. I am curious to see what the viewership numbers will be between both events. I still think E3 may be greater just by namesake alone. That's just me, but. I'm curious to see it. I want to see how they stack up against the two, just for some friendly competition. I don't think that's ever a bad thing. Um, and that's pretty cool. Uh, in terms of games that would be announced, I know that there was some rumor at first about Star Citizen that was going to come out, and then that got dispelled yeah. by the developers real quick. Looked, that's not yeah, coming out. Like, fuck so, no, dude. People were talking about it for like a solid 10 hours, and then everyone's like no please stop talking about it. that game is not going to come out until like 2023 2024 no, there's no. no way yeah there's just no there's way, just no let it way in hell i think it'll be incredible when it does but it could easily just be like the cyberpunk fiasco where it's ass so you never know I who's to say i can't wait for the i can't wait for these games to suck now for the real one the real real the real goty of 2022 unless it comes out later this year which would astonish me elden ring I think uh, we're going to hear more I, about it. I don't think that's actually a video game. No, like Rich, that. listen to me. Rich, Rich, wait, hear me out. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor on the deep web. It was Elon Musk. Uh, now, I heard a rumor on the deep web that uh, Elden Ring was done. Like, it's like the narrative I, of the game is done. No, no, hear me a bit, Hear me a bit, Okay, go ahead. I heard, I heard it was done. Trust me, some guy in the back alley of a burger joint was telling me about this while smoking some pot. Some, some guy at the Whataburger told me. He told me. He said that he said George R. R. Martin is his homie, and I believed him. So 
He said the game and the narrative... What I read was that the narrative design of the game was done. And the overall story was done. They're just working on fixing it up a bit. Just polishing it out. And you could see a release date for later this year. I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, shit. Why you gotta be level-headed? Why you gotta gotta do that? Why you gotta be pragmatic? Why you can't just say, like, yeah, man, it's gonna happen? Fuck me in at night and just say, yeah, it's gonna happen. Sweet dreams. Because I don't believe it is. I know. I, I have a feeling. I do have a feeling I'm gonna see more of it because that's the meme right now. But I think it's gonna say 2022, and when it does, I'm gonna be upset. Yeah, but that that makes sense to me. That makes so it goes. makes perfect. Well, I know what I want them to do. Tell me. Real talk, even though they may not, because Kojima make the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection for the PS5. Thank be, you. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll get that either. But I would love that. Nope. I, would, I would adore nope. that. We won't. But thank you. That is my one. That yeah, is we my really one ask. we really reworked the series into more of a strand game. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> it's like this is just what the people. So we had thousands of consumer studies and reviews, and they all said the same thing. We don't want Metal Gear Solid to be about mechs anymore. We want it to be about zombies. Yeah, that's what everybody wants. It's just a good, good zombie title. They said, what if Revolver Ocelot was a zombie? And we said... And Raiden had to kill him with his samurai sword. Damn, what if? And also nanomachines. Sounds good so far. Now, while Kojima was playing around with his Death Stranding and his babies, they were really getting to the heart of the development issues with a Metal Gear Resistance type of game. And what I think it, all this is to say is I actually think we're going to see a Metal Gear Resistance 2 dropping this year. You know, that's what everybody always tells me. They say Metal Gear is the greatest story ever told in any medium. And we're ready for more. I really, I really thought you were just going to be like, all right, everybody, so we're just going to sweep up and get out of here. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> is it the, you know, you want to know what actually sparked it? I was uh, at a farmer's market yesterday, and... I heard the classic codec ringtone. Now, keep in mind, I haven't heard that ringtone. That was mine for a long time. In perhaps maybe over two to three years. I actually haven't just heard that. So Snake, it's I was, me, Snake. Yeah, I was really glad that it was alive and well. Like, Metal Gear Solid lives on forever. And I was thinking, you know, it's about that time of the year again. I want to go play Metal Gear Solid again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just for sure. want to go play the game. It's time. And, yeah, I hope that they do eventually port over the Legacy Collection, even though I don't think they will. Um... I think that'd be cool. I'd buy it again, even. Hell yeah. I, Hell I just, yeah. I love keeping those games alive and put more money in Kojima's pocket. I don't mind that either. Yeah. I hope he gets royalties from it if they do. I, I, I very much hope so. It's very much his masterpiece, like, unlike Death Stranding, which is a bad game. Death Stranding is a good game. Dis- agree to disagree? <laughs> no, no. You, you don't got to disagree. You could just agree. I don't. I think it's bad. The graphics are good. It looks pretty. Oh, my God. Mads pretty, Mikkelsen's in it. You pretty, like Mads Mikkelsen, pretty, right? Pretty boring. Oh, but, uh, come on. It rains time. Yeah, it's really stupid. I agree. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, I agree. It's not the greatest. But think about what Death Stranding 2 will do. I'm just saying, why don't you uh, digest I, my, that? My main hope is that it, the thing it will do is not exist. Rich, even though we'll have another show or two or even three before E3, why don't you tell me, what's one thing that you are really anticipating from this? Um, I want to see more of uh, the next God of War. Yeah, me too. I at least want a trailer. Yeah, I, I think we'll get that. I, I think we'll for sure. Get At the very that. least, I want a trailer. I am. Um, I'm interested in I'm cool seeing what sort of like it, it's pretty clear it's going to be a direct continuation, but I also feel there's a lot of directions they can go in with it. Um, so I'm interested to see some gameplay from that. Hopefully, you think we're going to see more Halo Infinite? I think we fucking have to, man. I think we like. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was like, "That's a trick question." We actually have to. Like, there's they cannot get through this show without giving us like a "Where the fuck are they with this game?" Like, I can't keep buying monster cans that are promising me XP in a game that doesn't exist. Isn't that crazy? How this was a game that was showcased last year as something that was supposed to instill hype for the next gen and here we are now pre- where people are literally praying that it's just even remotely good and they had here's, to do such here's the thing control. that sucks too is like that game is past the point where it can just be good it has to be phenomenal yeah no it actually does it actually has to be really good it has no chance to afford to be a halo 4 or a halo 5 it has yeah. to be the it has to be halo 2 
for the new gen. Like that. That's that's just it. I so, still. I think I, they'll do it. I'm still really. Mad. I think they'll I, do it. I think it was a missed opportunity that they didn't make the slogan for this game. Finish the fight again. Yeah. Oh, dude. It, I thought I was gonna say like the fight never ends or oh, it's the, end, yeah. finish the fight dot 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 infinitely. Just, you know, you know some asshole. I would have been okay with it. Pitch that in a meeting where they were like, "Halo, Halo Infinite, finish the fight again, again," and they just go, "Yes." Um, really quickly too, Overwatch Two. Oh, they that's a big kind one. of expanded upon more details about that. They're kind of changing the structure. They're shifting to, from six v six to five v five, which. Not for nothing here. I'm not what? saying Jeff had anything to do with this. Jeff leaves. All of a sudden, they changed it to 5v5. I'm not saying that they changed it before he left, but I remember Jeff saying it will never go from a 6v6 to a 5v5, and uh, here we are. So A lot of people not too happy about the 5v5. Um, I talked to our friend Vinny, who still plays a lot of that game, and he was basically explaining to me that like no one wants to tank as it is. <laughs> And yeah, like, they remove it's, tanks it's, from it too, practically, yeah. right? The role of tank is pretty much deprecated. Yeah, and over. like it's a two tank meta from what he was telling me. And so now, assuming unless drastic character changes are made going into two, Reinhardt is now the only viable tank. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's In a 5v5. Yeah, there you go. So that's happening, Overwatch. Also, from what I've seen, I'm not the big. I, I fell off of Overwatch, even though it was great for the years that it had. Um, yeah. where I was really locked in. I don't see any reason to buy the second one right now. I still wouldn't. No. All the updates that I saw that they were changing are coming to one regardless. So yeah, you have the story and everything in two and whatever else they're going to be adding as a main game. Unless you really want care. that PvE content, but like it would yeah, have to I really be fucking phenomenal for me to be interested enough it in would. it. Yeah, like Which we're talking... it very well could be. I don't fucking know, but I don't see any reason to suggest to me that it will be. Yeah, I have nothing to go on. I really do. I have no, I'm, I'm with you right there. I have nothing to go on there. Um, it reminds me of uh, Team Fortress 2. It's robot mode. They kind of had that horde mode that they implemented later in the game. I could yeah. not have cared any less. I couldn't have cared any less. And um, it just wasn't good. So, I don't know. It's because when, when you have a game like that that starts off as a 6v6 and a combat multiplayer kind of game... It makes it really hard to shift my own mindset as a consumer to say, you know what I want out of this? A PvE kind of game. It's just not... It's not what I I'm disassociate looking for. the two. Yeah, if, yeah. It, if it came out with that, like what Halo did where it came out as PvE first and then had this implement... Yeah, and also... Like, it just would have switched my personal mindset. It, it just did It's such a rich so. world that it seems like a missed opportunity they didn't do that at first. And now it's going to feel like this weird tacked-on thing. Yeah, that, that's the thing too. It's not going to be tacked-on because it's Blizzard. Blizzard's going to throw millions and millions of dollars at it to make it always gonna thing, be that, that mindset you know what i mean yeah it's just gonna stick with me where i'm thinking kind of want to just go play the multiplayer from playing overwatch because that's yeah, totally. kind of game it is so yeah and finally um just because it's at the fresh top of my mind um nintendo announced that skyward sword amiibo where it has fast travel lock to it so for those that don't know skyward sword is coming out now why would they release the least favorite game out of i don't know but i'll tell you this that's a fine They're coming out with an amiibo. Yeah, they're coming out. Shut up. I knew you'd fucking say I knew you'd say that. Stop. Stop right now. Wait till I'm I was going to buy it anyway, Eric. So they're coming out with this amiibo. And Skyward Sword, for those who've never played it, you could travel from the land to air if you go to these certain stations. They're basically like these uh, these perching stations for your bird that you can call. Okay, and then you go to the sky and you go wherever you got to go. Great. They're coming out with this amiibo now where if you scan it, It'll give you that fast travel ability wherever you are in the game now. So you don't need to go to those posts. People, understandably, are pretty pissed because this is a quality of life feature and an update to an already, to me, bland game feature anyways. I'm not really a big fan of that whole deal, but you got to pay like another $20, $25 for this thing. And uh, it's a classic Nintendo move. But, but Eric, Rich is looking at me with his tongue sticking out because he amiibo. knows. Because Rich fucking... No. I'm not saying the Amiibo is the problem. I'm not saying oh, oh, no, I'm no. just saying Here's... we've been here before. Yeah, no, no. We've I, been here before. I get it, and the complaint is totally valid, but, like, at, at the end of the day, I was go, we're like, oh, man, this is just physical DLC, and I'm going, like, that's kind of what Amiibo always were. That was always the intention. That's always the intention. Um, it was. I mean, that's why they had... That's why the controllers and the Joy-Cons are a little expensive. They have the Amiibo readers in them. And, and like for... They, that's what they're there for. <laughs> for the record, I have a lot of Amiibo... I never bought them for the DLC. <laughs> like, I was always very upfront and be like, why did you buy this Amiibo? Because there's no good figures of Wario to put on my desk. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool figure. They do have cool, and it's good detail. I have to say, if you don't have a figure of it, it's nice. I just, it's a slippery slope. You start offering these quality of life improvements in the games, and all of a sudden things change. So there we are. You can look it up. Fine ass loft wing amiibo. I I know it's a fine ass amiibo. It's like Zelda looking nice. I don't even give a shit about her. I like the bird. They have arguably the worst looking Zelda. As the amiibo. There you go. Said but the, it. it's about the bird, Eric. Look at that fucking bird. I said what I said. I said what I said. All right. The worst looking Zelda playing a harp. She loves the that harp. But look at that fucking bird. I know. Where's the gruesome amiibo? Oh, my God. If you give me a gruesome amiibo, oh, got to search Etsy for that gruesome amiibo. <laughs> I'm just saying. You got you to gotta, you gotta flip through strengths I'm Googling here. gruesome I, I know the amiibo right do now. All the, hum- all the humans in Zelda, I, I hate all the human looks in Zelda Skyward Sword, but oh, I do like yep. Bruce. Totally. People made a gruesome amiibo. Did yeah, that's not even surprising. Um, that's pretty much it, though. Rich. Yeah, let's let's get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like you're looking at the amiibo marketplace. You're like, yeah, let's let's get out of here. You know what? I gotta get, I got some amiibos to buy. Um, yeah, housekeeping, baby. Uh, big thanks to Heather Ramos for our artwork and to Ed Baquette for our wonderful intro. Eric, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at beautiful underscore Eric. You can find me on Twitters at the Rich Meister Zero and my other home at SwordShop.com. But for now, the gruce is loose. Let's bounce. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.